Hi, and welcome to another episode of Just Football. So firstly, let's get the apologies out of the way. You're hearing this a day late. I'm going to blame the other hosts of this, the other co-presenters on this. That's fair, Dan, right? I don't think it is, is it? I think I was free um, at, the, at the usual point. Yeah, so, think, okay, uh, thank you for taking the blame. But no, no we're, we're, releasing, <laughs> we're releasing this a day late and we're a person down. So we've carelessly lost Dave along the way. Now, Dave, it was funny. He, after the Arsenal result the weekend, made himself unavailable for this. And after last night's result, he quickly wanted to come back in, but we haven't given him yeah, the Yeah, we, have, we, have we haven't let him in as well. But, but about this point, while we're mentioning about Arsenal and Arsenal losing, is it a good point to talk about Arsenal under-18s as well and, and what happened at the weekend? We'll come on to that. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do that. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll build up to that. But yeah, no, Dave's got, you know, the, the old pesky life stuff happening at the moment. So he is not here. Dan and I are going to do... Sorry, you've got me, Dan P and Dan S. Hi, Dan S. Hello. Kind of going to do a slightly different episode because we're recording this late on Tuesday. So we'll just do a bit of a reaction episode to the results of the weekend. We might mention VAR and we might have a couple of other little sneak peeks at some other things along the way. So I just want to start before we get into the Premier League. There was a big game on Friday night in the Championship. So Leeds beat Leicester away 1-0 so that's that's a big result for Leeds I mean Leicester even with two losses they're still four points clear at the moment so they're on 39 points but that's, that's four point clear of second they're quite a way away from third aren't they from yeah. being in the playoffs yeah actually Ipswich have got a game in hand in second but Leeds who have moved up to third are 11 points behind them so it's yeah. uh, it's an incredible season they're having they've won 13 and lost two basically so yeah and there's also the FA Cup started well, the FA Cup round one. And the reason why I'm kicking myself saying it started because so so for most people, obviously most people I think know the FA Cup, but if you're listening in in other lands and and you're not too au okay fait with the FA Cup, it's it's fairly unique, Dan, isn't it, in in football that it's open to literally every football team in the country, isn't it? Or affiliated to a league, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's correct. Because I think even my local um, non-league type team, um, late late in town, uh, played in a qualifying round probably a good couple of months ago now. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't know how much further back it goes or when the first official official match is. Um, but yeah, it go, well, goes. Well, this a long is way. What, well, this is what I was going to say because even I've been to a couple of um, where, you know, my local team. I've been to some of them now. Uh, the, the qualifying now a lot of people here think the um the fa cup starts when the premier league comes in and that's usually in march isn't it the third round correct yeah then a number of people think it starts this weekend at the first round when the league teams come comes in but it actually starts back in august for non-league time uh non-league teams so there's an extra pr- preliminary round basically to get to the first round proper there is, you've got to play six games. If you're in the extra preliminary round, you've already played six games to get to yeah. the FA Cup. Then you've got the two, round one and round two. So by the time the Premier League comes in, some teams have possibly pay, uh, played, and that's without replays, eight games to get to that yeah. stage. It's yeah, incredible. It's crazy, isn't it? And, and what's great about the FA Cup, for anyone who's not familiar with it, is there's, all, there's always a team that comes out of nowhere and, and just appears and, and has a good run. And I remember... 
quite a few years ago, the university team at Bath, didn't they, got into the first round proper? Yeah. And yep. and they were in, I can't remember if they won in there, but it's obscene to think that a university team is in a competition that could lead to professionals playing. And it's uh, yeah, yeah. unbelievable. And that's why you'll often hear the magic of the FA Cup. It is because a non-league side, so non-professionals who have got day jobs, usually is like, you, you often, it, it's classic on the TV, it's like that, they will him out this he's a carpenter he's a mechanic he's a fishmonger are playing potentially against premier league sides and i reckon for us isn't it the local area in recent times it was um stevenage when they were non-league yeah stevenage did well yeah yeah and they drew didn't they they drew at home before going back to st james's park yeah yeah and even before um before deadpool took over uh, Wrexham, I remember years ago, beating Arsenal in one of the rounds. Uh, yeah, yeah this, this was many years ago. So, yeah, the FA Cup first round proper started. Um, and I'll pick up some of the results because it's some really, really high scoring games. So Barnsley and Horsham played out a three all draw um, on Friday night and Walsall beat Sheppey United 4-1 away. So let's move on now to Saturday. Let's pick up. We'll leave, we'll leave one result to the end. So Man United beat Fulham 1-0. And if, if I recall correctly, that was quite a late goal, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was injury time, wasn't it? Fernandez and injury time. So what do you think? Turned a corner? I don't know. They're, they're <laughs> obviously, they've obviously picked up a few wins, but they've also had, obviously, Fulham. That Fulham game is obviously a scrappy game. I haven't seen the highlights, but it feels like just scoring in the 93rd minute, it feels like a, a lucky win. Obviously, a few weeks ago, they scored twice in injury time, didn't they? With Max Tomine scoring a couple. Um, I still think, I don't know. I've, they're obviously picking up the odd result, but I still think there are also quite a few losses coming ahead of them as well. Yeah, it's tough with Man United, isn't it? Because I remember thinking the other day before, before the game, are they going to have enough games that come along that they should win? That's gonna give them almost like a full sense of security, if yeah. you know what I mean. Because like they they should obviously pick up a few wins. Now that that win has put them in eighth. So to be fair, they've won three of their last five. So we give them a hard time, or people give them a hard time. But you know, three from five isn't bad. But but also in there, is, they lost three 0 last weekend, didn't they, against Brentford, and then they got knocked out by Newcastle in the cup, also three 0 so they, they, they were off off the back of two poor results before this one on yeah. Saturday come up. And it's funny, isn't it? Because I remember I saw headlines of um, Ten Hag saying, "I can't play the Ajax uh, way because you know we don't have it, it, we. It's not the same here." But like people point out, he's got two or three players he bought from Ajax, and. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to correct myself. It wasn't Brentford they played last weekend, was it? It was City. Was it City they lost to three 0 yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, sorry, apologies. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take that correction on the chair. Yeah. And and the other thing that's come out today, actually, again, is kind of this whole tabloidy side of things. But apparently now with Jaden Sancho, he's now been kicked out of their WhatsApp group, apparently. The Man United WhatsApp group. How does anyone know that? I don't know. And, well, someone's leaked it, but it's like, it just feels... At what point does it almost feel like bullying now at some point? Do you know what I mean? It just feels... Yeah. I guess we don't really know the full story, do we? Like, we, Sancho could be being a pain in the ass, and it could be could be down to Ten Hag. But 
I just feel like after a year after the Ronaldo saga, where something felt like similar happened, yeah, it, I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't know if other managers would handle it differently, and you know, Sancho would be playing and and be okay yeah. now if he was under a different manager. You, you just don't know, do you? So I guess it's a watcher space with United, um, but that was a decent win away. Then we had Brentford beat West Ham 3-2 at home, and, I, and that's a great result, isn't it? That's a really Brentford. good result, yeah. Because yeah. West Ham were kind of... Yeah, well, they were doing well, weren't they? I mean, and that, that keeps... Oh, sorry, Brentford now moved up to ninth place with that, and West Ham down to uh, 12. So, yeah, Brentford are a funny side, aren't they? You, you wouldn't have expected them to to do as well as they've done in the Premier League. Sometimes, just sometimes at Brentford, I just don't know where they belong. Like, are, yeah. are they mid-table or should they be close to the relegation zone? I don't actually know where where where, where they should fit, but maybe they're obviously doing well to be up in ninth position. That feels like overachieving, but good good team. Well, we'll come on to it, but this year it feels like anyone can do anything because it just feels like there's no. It, it feels like the script's gone out the window other than Man City coming into form, but we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, and, and that's Brentford have won three on the trot there. Um, so they've won three from five with one loss in there. Burnley nil, Crystal Palace two, which feels like a very tough result for Burnley, doesn't it? That's consigned them to their fourth defeat in a row. And they have got Arsenal next. So you, you'd think that that's going to be five defeats there. The next game was Everton one, Brighton one. I thought Everton won, didn't they? No, no, it was one all. It was an own goal right at the end. Um, Ashley Young own goal. Oh wow! That in terms of the table, Everton moved down to sixteenth, and sorry, there we go. Brighton are um a stay in seventh place. So yeah, again, Brighton doing really well. Here we go. This is one of the stats. And I tell you what, we'll skip down. You've got Sheffield United 2, Wolves 1, which again is, I think, Sheffield United really needed that. But that was their that first win, wasn't it? It's the first win. So they're still at the bottom, but now on four points. And yeah. Wolves were, were Wolves are now in 14th. So they really needed that win, Sheffield United. It's so a well played to them. So the result I skipped over was Man City against Bournemouth and they won 6-1. So any comments on, on City now kicking so, so I haven't seen the highlights, but one thing that annoyed me about this, I saw 6-1 and I thought, oh, Haaland scored a hat for there. <laughs> yeah. And he, he's, my, he's my captain this week. And I look at the score and I realise he's only played, like he got dragged off quite early, didn't he? Because he was injured. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. oh, I've not scored any points at all. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, it's yeah. I, yeah, Har- Harlan came off on the forty-six minute, and sorry, and just for for info, basically the it was the Doku show. So Doku scored in the thirtieth minute. Then he he assisted four goals, so he scored one and then got four assists. I mean, that's incredible. It is, but I guess the caveat to this is I think Man City are a top team, and I think Bournemouth are just not a very good one. So I I do feel like. Probably a fair result. Maybe you'd kind of expect like a three nil, wouldn't you? So I guess they have scored a good few goals. But so that's now City's third win in a row. Um, so they beat Brighton, Hove Albion two one. They beat 
United away and now Bournemouth 6-1. Their next game is against Chelsea, who we'll talk about in a little bit, possibly, if we get time. Um, and then one of the first big games of the weekend in terms of Aftershock was Newcastle United v Arsenal. So Newcastle won by, depending on who you speak to, a very controversial goal. Um, have you seen this? So, so I saw a goal and I thought that should definitely be disallowed. And I, I watched it and I thought I should definitely be disallowed. And then I read everyone, all the pundits' analysis and a lot of pundits say it's a fair goal, it should be fine. So I feel like I should go back and watch it again to, to, to check my initial understanding. But the init my initial glance was I think it was a goal and mainly because of the foul. So I guess the background is, I'm, I'm not sure, I'm assuming you're going to come on to it, is this this particular goal had three VAR <laughs> reviews against it yeah. for three completely different things. One was the ball um, looked out of play. One was a foul. And the other one was offside. I think the one it should have been disallowed on is the foul. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and just as you said, there were three phases or three events. Now, the one playing offside, I couldn't quite see that, but I'd happily watch it again. I've not, I've not seen it. Uh, oh, I don't remember it. Sorry. The foul, it looked like a foul to me. It did look like yeah, a foul. Yeah. I mean, if we're being honest. Um, yeah. I think I've seen some people saying he was already falling, but I can't remember the defendant. Was it Gordon? Sorry. It had two hands on his back. So to me, that looks like a shove. Yeah. The ball being out is an interesting one. So I don't think the ball was out. But what is being said is they couldn't conclusively say that the ball was out. But then on the flip side, can you conclusively say from that image that the ball was in? No, and I think that's it. So I think for that one, they have to go with the on-field decision and the linesman didn't flag it. So if a linesman had flagged that it had gone off, they would have stuck with that decision. But, you know, you see all the photos and the angles the photos come from. The ball does look out of play from those photos. But what's deceiving is you can't see the bird's eye view, which is what you need to determine whether that's out of play or not. And I don't think they can make a decision based on not having that footage or that, that still. But what I find incredible is if you have goal line technology, which does this exact thing, <laughs> why why is yeah. that not... Where's, where's, the, where's the scanner that kind of like goes across the touchline? Surely you just expand that out a little bit. Yeah, I don't get why it's not across. I guess it's easy in the goalpost because you've got places you can easily put the sensor, I guess, maybe. It's a, sen but... it's a sensor on the goalposts or is it kind of towards the side? I thought it was in the goals. I thought it was so. There's a chip in the ball, and I thought it was. Yeah, in the... maybe you're right. I just I feel like the technology maybe, should be technology should be better to scan across the whole line. Yeah. It's just... Well, well, we'll come on to we'll come on to um, technology as a whole. But yeah, I so I get why Arsenal fans could feel aggrieved at that. But I, I think purely from the foul perspective. Um, so if you're listening and know why it's not given a foul, yeah, drop us a drop us a tweet. Um, 
But while we're talking about Arsenal, then do you want to do the little story that you put into our WhatsApp WhatsApp chat at the weekend? Yeah, I just I just I just thought it was quite funny. So I think it was the under eighteen team who's mm. managed by Jack Wilshere, which I didn't know he'd got back into the club actually. Yeah. Um, had a match at was it Brighton, but turned up at Bournemouth. So the no, I think it's the other way round. The other way round. Had a, I can't remember which way round it was, yeah. but he had a he had a fixture at one of those grounds, and he turned up in the wrong place. And therefore had to delay. I say he like it was his fault. I'm sure it yeah. wasn't his fault. But um, yeah, I mean, just he's got to be the coach driver. But at some point, does someone on there not realise it? Because it's a hundred miles between the, or ninety five miles between the two places, right? So. Yeah. The thing is, and obviously this is a bit more of a higher level. But I've had, you know, I used to play tennis matches quite a lot. And when you we've had instances where you play against other clubs. And you both think it's an away match. So you get to like seven o'clock when the match has started and you realise that the opposing team's turned up at your club and you've turned up at their club. So I think it can it, it can happen. And I think it's just a human thing. It's just funny. As I say, it's funny. I find it funny when it happens to like big names and, and, and yeah. big clubs because it makes you realise there's a human element involved and mistakes yeah. do happen. It feels like it shouldn't happen for a professional, albeit an under-18 side, but they are professional outfits. So, yeah, I wonder what the coach driver, um, what he was thinking <laughs> when yeah. he was told. But before we move on from Arsenal, I guess, the other thing in that in that, that happened, in, well, two, three other events happened in that game, wasn't there? I felt like there could have been two more red cards. I think one for Havertz, who kind of went, looked like he was yeah. planning to go through someone on, on the side touchline. Yeah. Um. And I also think there was one, and I'm forgetting who it was, one of Newcastle's players who kind of clobbered him over the back of the head as, yes, as he ran past right. him. And yeah, that looked yeah. a little bit malicious, like that looked deliberate. You don't run with your, your arm up yeah, um, like yeah. that. So I felt like that could have been a red card. And then obviously after the game, Arteta has obviously attacked or criticised the, the referee and, and VAR and, and said it's a, it's a bit of a disgrace. And the interesting thing is Arsenal have come out and backed up that statement or made a statement to back up Arteta or something along those lines, which I thought was was interesting as well. And that's been a talking point over the last couple of days. Well, I think the um, I think the FA are now asking, are, are actually approaching Arsenal for an official um, statement now. So I think he, he he's obviously very emotional at the best of times anyway isn't he? But he he didn't leave any stone unturned in terms of having a go, did he? Yeah. And it, it's, a, it's a heat of a moment thing. And I wonder if you did that same interview and he'd slept on it, he probably wouldn't have reacted as angrily as he did. Um, yeah. I don't so, blame Arteta for that reaction. I just think it's a heat of a moment conversation. and um, But yeah. it's obviously been a talking point over the weekend. Yeah. So just for context, after the game, he labelled the decision for the goal, an absolute disgrace. And the club statement says, Arsenal Football Club wholeheartedly supports Mikel Arteta's post-match comments after yet more unacceptable refereeing and VAR errors on Saturday evening. We'd also like to acknowledge a huge effort and performance from our players and travelling supporters at St. James's Park. The Premier League is the best league in the world with the best players, coaches and supporters, all of whom deserve better PGMOL urgently needs to address the standard of officiating and focus on action which moves us all on from retrospective analysis, attempted explanations and apologies. 
And it's they're not fun. wrong. They're not wrong. Yeah. The level of the level of refereeing has been substandard um, this year, but. But I'll come yeah. on to that with a general thing on VAR. I think we, as fans, aren't helping. And and I think I'll explain my, my thoughts on that after. Um, okay. What, Dan's final four? Like, this is like yeah, the Jerry Springer yeah. show or something. Yeah. <laughs> so that was it for the Premier League. And there was an FA Cup. Like, I just want to call out some high-scoring games here. So AFC Wimbledon won 5-1 against Cheltenham. Bolton beat Solihull Moors 4-0. Bristol Rovers beat Whitby 7-2. Um, and there was an incredible game. Again, you know, it's a shame because uh, these are non-league side. I think conference, what we used to know as conference, but Aldershot Town away to Swindon won 7-4. So 11 goals in that game. Oh, it's wow. incredible, really. Right, so we move on to Nottingham Forest beat Aston Villa 2-0, which again, I, 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 I didn't see that coming. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't have put money on it that way round. Villa have been in form, and Nottingham Forest haven't been good. So it's uh, yeah, a bit of a shocking result. Yeah, and again, absolutely massive result. Forest moves them up to thirteenth, and Villa, who were flying, um, staying fifth. So it hasn't dented them at all. But yeah, a bit of a shock result for me. And probably for most neutrals, probably a disappointing result in the end, but Luton drew one all with Liverpool. I mean, what a fantastic result that would have been, right? Yeah. And I think any Luton fan would have taken that result before the game started. But the yeah. the, the man, and I actually went out for a meal with someone who was at the ground supporting Luton. Uh, and he said the same thing. He said, if you take one all at the start, you'd take, you'd bite their hand off. But the way that it happened obviously makes it feel like a disappointing result. Yeah. So, yeah, because uh, Luton went 1-0 up in the 80th minute and then Liverpool equalised in the 95th minute. Yeah. I mean, that's heartbreaking ultimately, isn't it? Um, it is. And I, I watched this game and I thought Luton were brilliant. It's the first time where I've watched them where I felt like they've, they've matched or been close to the opposition, whereas previous games I felt like it's you know, a one-sided cup draw, cup tie. Um, so this felt better. And when they took result, I actually leaped out my, my chair because I was that excited <laughs> for them. And I was so hopeful they were going to win. And then obviously Liverpool equalised. And you get annoyed and then you realise it's Diaz that scored. And you're like, oh, that's quite nice for him as well after what he's yeah. going through yeah. in, in his personal life. But it's, uh, yeah, amazing result for Luton Town. The only other things I'd mention about that is... I think Luton have been, or, or the police are getting involved because there was supposedly some unsavoury chance being done towards Liverpool. Something I might actually say for another conversation, but there was footage of a Liverpool fan in the Luton end. And I think it's always a fascinating discussion about away fans being in the home end and should that be allowed and what's what for you? Because it's just, I think it's amazing, isn't it? I couldn't do it. I remember at the time, a couple of times, being offered the chance to go to watch Arsenal Tottenham, but in the Arsenal end, I couldn't do it. Yeah. It, which is what, it's sad that it's like that. And I've been to see a European game and we got tickets. I don't know. We got tickets for the official ways, but we must have gone through a wrong link or something. We ended up sitting with um, European fans mm. of this club. And you, ju- you just watch the whole game thinking, I don't like this. This is, yeah. uh, this is, this is not nice. Um, and it shouldn't be like that. When you think like other sports like rugby, they don't have home and away ends. They just all sit around each other. It's Yeah, 
Yeah, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. But yeah, maybe that's a feature coming up. But we move on to last night. Well, at time of recording and the final Premier League game of the weekend, Tottenham won Chelsea four. Um, I want to hand over to you first and, and hear your well, thoughts. <laughs> well, let's summarise the game. So in that 4-1, there was five disallowed goals. There was two red cards for Tottenham. So Tottenham went down to nine men. There should have been probably three more red cards with Udogi, I felt, could have been sent off. Romero could have been sent off before he was actually sent off. And um, I felt like Reese James could have been sent off for, for mm. jumping up with his elbow. Um, we lost two of our best players to injury in the space of about five, six minutes in Van der Ven and um, Madison. It's the worst bit uh, for me. Worst bit. worst bit. The... Injury, um, the injury time in both halves was so impacted by VAR, but I think it was like 12 minutes in the first half and like nine minutes in the second half. So we, we've played an extra 20 minutes um, on, just to on, top confirm, of, on top of 90. Spot on 21 minutes of stoppage time in Tottenham. Yeah. 21 minutes, stoppage minutes. Uh, minute, minute stoppage. Did you say four disallowed goals? I think it was five, wasn't it? Was it five Was it, was it five in the end? Oh, you, I might need to fact check it. It was four, four or five. Um, Tottenham obviously rotated and did quite a few substitutions based on on the sendings off. So they ended up, of their 10 outfield players, only three finished the game, but started, which is unthinkable. Tottenham decided to play... Angela, I I respect this because he gave it a go, but with nine men, rather than sit back and defend and try and catch up with attack, he played high and tried to force 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 Chelsea force Chelsea backwards, and it nearly worked. And I just think in the end they were just able to beat the offside trap because we were shattered because you had yeah. Eric Dyer and Bentacle having to run back all the time to kind of cover the offside trap when it didn't work. It was just a phenomenal. Well, for context, yeah, we went we went down to ten men on the thirty third minute, and then. It was nine men on the in the fifty fifth minute. So bear in mind the first half had twelve minutes of injury time and nine. That's a long time we played with with less you know yeah. uh, less players on the pitch. Now, a couple of things I'd say is um, I think VAR ultimately everything that happened was right. I think Romero. Unbalanced should have gone, and like you said, he was probably lucky not to have been sent off earlier. Udogi, yep, should have been sent off. So I, I think VAR got all the decisions right. I'm not saying that, but I remember saying to you last night, it just sucked the life and the energy out of that first half. I thought, yeah, you know, it really, it really did. And I was just, I think, um, Postacoglu said it afterwards. He just said he felt like there was so much standing around. And just waiting for stuff to happen, and it was. And you know, to be fair, Tottenham completely lost their heads um, yeah. and was going in all over the place. And I think Chelsea began to just before the halftime whistle. But if Tottenham hadn't lost their heads at that point, I think it'd have been a very different game because I think we were a better team, um, and I think we could have walked all over them. But it just wasn't to be. We got wild up, um, and that sort of twenty-minute spell lost us the game. 
Yeah, but but what I would say though is, um, oh, and and just on VAR because again, just like the Arsenal game, there was one I can't remember which one because there were so many VAR checks, but a Chelsea goal got disallowed, I think, for being offside or handball. Then they went back slightly earlier in the play, and that's when Romero got his red card. But it's like someone said, and I haven't checked this myself again yet today, but someone said, but if they'd have gone back just a bit more, Sterling dives. So if they'd have gone back like that and they proved it was a dive, would it have been a free kick, which would have stopped Romero being sent off? So it's like, at what point do do you stop the yeah. how far back you go? Um, yeah. on, it was, it on was, the, it was a, so gone. No, I was going to say, on the game itself, though, it, it's, it's, I'm not... Of course, I'm disappointed about the result. It's a shame. We were, you know, we were riding high. But I'm not disappointed because you'd expect to lose with nine men, right, against Chelsea, a team like Chelsea. Well, interestingly... The scoreline upsets me. No, I was going to say the scoreline upsets me because I don't think it was a 4-1 game, even, like I said, when we went down to nine men. I was going to say exactly the same thing. And I think I've seen a few people say this today, even non-Tottenham fans, but 4-1 flattered Chelsea. Um, they they weren't worthy of their four one win. I think it's such a shame we didn't keep them to two one, which we, we which we could have done. Um, because I actually think, apart from those two goals in injury time, which is when we were knackered, with nine men, I feel like Tottenham had the better chances. Um, they they were few on goal a few times, but Vicario, what a goalkeeper he yeah. is! He he was outstanding. It's weird to say that to someone who's just conceded four goals, yeah, but he yeah. was outstanding yesterday. Just he got lost amazing. after the first game, his first game, he, and I think I might have been one of them. Said uh, on this yeah. podcast that I was a bit worried about him. How, if, if he's not Italy's number one soon, I'd be yeah. be very disappointed. He's just yeah. yeah it's, it's, just, it's like you're saying because the first fifteen minutes as well was kind of all Tottenham. And just to back up what you're saying, you know, at full time. Tottenham had five shots on target to Chelsea seven. So that's not terrible. Um, yeah. And it was 39% possession to Tottenham and 61% Chelsea, which again, with nine men to finish with four, almost 40% possession feels impressive. Well, now, I think what sums it up is we've just lost 4-1 at home to one of our biggest rivals. Tottenham got a stand innovation going off the pitch. Yeah, yeah. And I think that shows the kind of the respect that the players earned from the fans because... They went all out. Like, yeah, you know, I was I was impressed with Holberg when he come on, and I was impressed with Dyer when he came on, and they they just looked like they were so Spurs, yeah. which is you think to times under Conte and uh, Mourinho, some of those players hated playing for Spurs, like they just yeah. weren't in there. But these players, they love playing for Spurs at the moment. And I think that's a real step up this season. Well, that's a Spurs. I don't recognise that Spurs side because a year ago, let alone two or three years ago, they would have capitulated right after that first sending off yeah they, they wouldn't have you know there was a picture it's funny people are saying that um after going down two people um and was playing zero seven two formation because there's a picture you see where it basically and it's oh. amazing and the players bought into it and the players are doing it so of course i'm disappointed but the way they played the attitude they played and like I said, those last two goals just were tied. I wish my, do I wish it could have played, possibly managed the game a bit better to get a draw? Yeah, but I've not seen many people slate Tottenham today, like you're saying. 
Yeah, and I feel a lot of people are quick. Not, I don't know if criticizing this high line, but it's so nearly worked. Like Benson yes, yeah. missed the sitter. Um, Son had a one on one which he could have scored. Yep. Dyer had a goal disallowed which easily could have been offside. Yeah. And it, it was just he was just so close to pulling it off. And you think about the, the team at that point. The heart of that team was Benton Dyer and uh, Holberg, who are lack must be lacking in match fitness with the lack yeah. you know, they haven't played this season. Oliver Skip as well is, yeah. a, is another one, and they all just played their hearts out. And it's um, it's just a shame we lost our heads in that twenty minutes in the first half because I think yeah. it would have been a very different story. But I, yeah. you know, I was angry last night, but tonight I was like, I don't think that's going to derail us. I think we'll just carry on. Um, I don't think. Were we going to go unbeaten this season? Of course not. You know, would it? I like like I said at the start of this bit. For me, the disappointing thing is people are going to look at a four-one scoreline and think it was a rout, and it wasn't. It, it but yeah. the thing I'm and and to go to a comment I said while you was you were recapping, I'm more worried about the injuries. So you know we, and it's the depth of our squad now is going to come to the the fray. So Romero, I think, is out for three games. The dog is going to be out for one. Van der Ven, that looked like that's a hamstring injury. So what six weeks minimum? Yeah. Um, he's been, Madison, he's I hope, is a knock. Yeah, yeah. Van der Ven has been playing really well, and on on the Romero sending off, I really before last night, he's obviously got a bit of a rash temper behind him. He's obviously a great defender, but he obviously has this screw loose in his head where he just goes a bit mad. I really thought he'd grown up this season, and I thought that was really disappointing yeah. to see yesterday. Both those two challenges, the second challenge. There's a little bit of me that thinks he was going for the ball, but he's, he just carried on with his follow-through. So I, I don't know how much that is deliberate. But that, that first one where he swung around and swiped, I felt like that was more of a sending off than the second one, if, yeah. I'm, if I'm completely honest. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's just it's just disappointing that he... There's a bit of maturity there that needs to come if he's going to if he's going to make a brilliant player. Yeah, and like I said, I, so I just hope... Because oh, uh, news today was Richarlison is now going to have surgery... Um, for a pelvic injury. For well, he got injured without even playing. That's how bad. Yeah. That's well, how jinxed we were. Does <laughs> does make you think? Has he? You know, he's been carrying that for about six or seven months. I think I heard. So he's going to be out for a while. So you know, I know he's not necessarily set the the, the world alight in terms of goals, but it's going to be really big the next few games. Now, I think we've got Wolves on Saturday. And then if I'm right, is it an international break? So I'm hoping yeah. that that eats into some of the injuries. But I think the other thing to call out, and again, you know, not not for a like a comparison, but another thing that got called out was Postacoglu's post-match conference. I think he got a lot of fans for how he handled that, um, his response to that. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, I, I think the way his interview was brilliant, and I think he's a class act with some of the things he comes out and says, and I think there is an element of truth to it, where he kind of says, you know, we're complaining about bad decisions, and then we complain about them being forensic and taking too long. I, I think there is, uh, there is definitely that. I think maybe he probably looked at the reaction that Arteta got with his reaction as well, and thought, I don't want to do that. I think that's probably fresh in his mind. And he's probably had a bit of time to think. But he did get booked off of disagreeing with a refereeing decision, though. Yeah, but some people have said that. But I think coming out of your technical area during a game, I think 
it, I, I, I love him to bits, but you need him to have a little bit of bite as well. And I think during a game, I think that's that's fair. Um, yeah. But it was just the very last thing he said. Did someone say to him something like, you know, do you do you regret attacking so much towards the end? And he said something like, that's who we are. He goes, if we go down to five men, I'm going to give it a go, mate, or something like that, yeah. didn't he? And I just thought and that was brilliant. He, he said something similar before the Arsenal game where he said, you know, if someone said, are you going to change your tactics against Arsenal? He goes, no. He goes, if we get beat badly, we'll know what the gap is. It's like, it's just a, it's that mentality. Yeah, I, I really like it. And yeah. coming after Mourinho and Conte, it's really, really refreshing. It's refreshing, isn't it? So, well, so that was the end of the Premier League results. So, I can, kind of can I want... just can I just sorry can I just go back to one moment in the Luton Liverpool game? I've just realised yeah. there was one thing I wanted to talk about, but just never brought it up. And it might be linked with what you want to talk about with VAR in a minute, but. I don't know if you noticed, but on Luton's goal, so when Luton scored, that came from a counter-attack from the, Liverpool, from the Luton penalty area. So Liverpool were attacking. Um, and then what happened is the ball got kicked against um, Ross Barkley's arm. Um, right. And it hit him in the back of the arm. Definitely hit his arm in the penalty area. And then Luton went up the other end and scored a goal. Okay? So Luton are 1-0 up. There was a VAR review to determine whether that goal should be cancelled and Liverpool given a penalty down the other end. Really? Yeah. And it didn't That's happen. That's how far back, yeah. And it, 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 it was probably probably only about 10 seconds in between, a, in between the two events. But the whole... Do you remember a few weeks ago where we talked about the Tottenham game and the whole don't bring the game into disrepute or against the whatever the wording was, about bringing the ball back. Here's a situation. It's going to happen one day whereby you cancel a goal out and give from a counter-attack and give a penalty down the other end. And that is no different to what happened at Tottenham-Liverpool. But it's one's in the rules and one's not. It's just it's that's really what I was weird. Saying, but that's what I was saying earlier about last night. So, OK, we've got Chelsea score a goal. Hold on. He's, he's offside. Fair enough. Hold on. We're going to go back back a bit further. Yep, that's a red card for Romero. He's off. But hold on. If we go back another 10 seconds, Sterling's dived or say it's a foul. So technically, we shouldn't be giving Romero a red card because that should have been a free kick. How far back do you go? We're back to minute one at some point. That yeah. game last night, we'd have been back to the kickoff. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's crazy. But I was, I was speaking to my friend who was at the Luton game and I was like, do you realise that that, that VIR review happened and that's what we're reviewing? He goes, no, we saw the review. We assumed they were reviewing <laughs> if it was offside or not. <laughs> and I was like, the stadium would have gone crazy if, if they'd taken that goal away and gave Liverpool a penalty. It would, I just dread yeah. to think. No one would have got out of that ground alive. <laughs> just, just... I want to stick with VAR a little bit and I want, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, but... Um... Firstly, I need to thank good friend of the show, Joey, Lord Joey Fitz, because I've got from him a 30-day trial to the Athletic uh, website. So I was looking at this, and they've asked their subscribers for thoughts on VAR. And I'm going to throw some things at you and see what you think. So um, first question was, would you keep VAR? 52.1% said yes, 47.9% said no. Uh, what's interesting, your that? isn't it? Yeah. Did they poll just referees or did they poll the general public? No, no this is subscribers. <laughs> subscribers. So, tell you what, we'll go through it all. So, 52.1% said yes, 47.9% said no. The next question was, are there fewer errors now due to VAR? 49.8% uh, said yes, 
23.6% said no, and 26.6% said roughly the same. This is a really key question here now, right? Is football better or worse because of VAR? 20.3% said better, 63.6% said worse, and 16% said roughly the same. So pretty much two-thirds of people think it's worse. And I'll, I'll let you think about that. There's a couple of other questions. How successful has VAR been on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best? 10 got 0.2%, 9 got 1.3%. Basically, the highest ones were one got 16.8% and three got 18%. Um, do you trust the technology? Assuming no human error. Yes is 65.4%. And then there's something, a couple of others. We Oh, and this is a good one here. Would you complain more or less about marginal offside calls going against your team if VAR was scrapped? So 35% said they would complain less. 27% said they would complain more and 37 said it'd be the same. And for people who who are very good at maths and realising that might not add up to 100, I've rounded it down. I couldn't be bothered to say all the points. What do you think about VAR generally then? Because I think for me, what I want to pick out there is 52% saying they would keep it. Almost 50% saying there are fewer errors, but 60%, 63% saying the game's worse, which is kind of what we've been saying, isn't it? Yeah, I think the idea of VAR has legs, and I think they could make it work. I just they need to start doing it soon. Though there's just there's just things they could do to improve it. So I, I like the idea of it, but it's been implemented badly, and because of that implementation badly, I would rather them take it away rather than spend the next ten years trying to fix it. I I kind of want it gone. I want it gone, I, or maybe just for offsides, because offsides it's doing a good job, I think. But listening to Talk Sport on the way home, and Darren Bent had three ideas. They were trying to say, look, let's not be negative. Let's try as as a listener base try to improve far. How or how would we help them? Now Darren Bent had three things, and I disagree definitely with one. Said. And I think it's something we've said on here, but the first one was get X players into the VAR room. And I don't like that. No, but I don't like that because pundits alone, X players on Sky disagree on the same thing. So again, it's not, it's not going to solve it by getting X players because if X players can't agree, it's, yeah. it's, there's a human element and a defender might be more lenient on a defender going in. For example, let's say Romero, I know that was a really rash challenge, but say it wasn't as rash as it was. A defender might be more lenient than an attacker if he's an ex-attacker. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the second thing which I really liked was bring it in like the, um, the Hawkeye system in, in tennis where you get three or four challenges in a game. Yeah, and let the game carry on. I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think that'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see how you do it. Um, but I do like the idea that sometimes you just have to let the referee on field decision just stand um, yeah. because you you've bothered the referees enough. I can't remember what his third one was, but someone a, a caller, one that stood out for me, a caller was kind of what I said that maybe for offsides you keep it but for everything else let the oh no that was it i think darren bents was you you leave it up to the referee if he wants to call var in but again i kind of don't like that because 
if you if you're using it infrequently it's like well why didn't he call it there was a challenge against my team but he called far in when it was for the other team and it went their way you're never going to get it right which part of me that's why i want it ripped out i think yeah it's, it's even weird today because i was thinking about that romero challenge uh, the first one where it got reviewed for red card but referee obviously didn't see it at all right so vr's gone to get it he's done that challenge they, but they, they can't give a yellow card, but they can give a red yeah. card. So off yeah. the back of that challenge, they deem it's either one or the other. I just don't get why they can't go, yeah, we don't think it's harsh enough for a red, but it should definitely be booked. I just don't get, if you can see if you see the replay, why you can only pick out certain things that you can call for. I just, yeah. I, I don't understand that. Yeah. I just think, I we did complain less. I don't remember football referees play being so forensically to use Postacoglu's words forensically analyzed before VAR came in and I just no. think we would be far more accepting we'd still there'd still be the the, the discussions at work the next day oh he was clearly offside I, I think that's the point isn't it people don't feel like they've got an excuse to make a mistake now um, but like you said as you watch pundits making these decisions they sometimes disagree with each other you know, you yeah. take that Phil Jones tackle a few weeks ago. Some pundits said it was a red card. Some pundits didn't. So how can you expect referees to have the same yeah. thing? But they're going to disagree with each other as well. So so I think actually, yeah. So that's what I want to say about the ex-players. I am against it because just because they're ex-players doesn't mean they're going to make a better decision. I, I don't yeah. think that, that goes. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I, I just think... I love football sometimes so much, but like I said, I'm not complaining about the result or what happened. I think VAR got every result right. Yeah. It's just to see the amount of time they were stopped yesterday in that first half. It's just, that's not how you play a game. But also, it's also taken away a bit of the elation of scoring as well. So, you know, every time your team scores and if it's a big goal, you're always thinking, right, can't celebrate just yet because we've got to wait for a VAR review yeah, to kind of yeah. happen. And that that moment that every football fan loves has always been taken away. And yeah. that that bit, of, you know, you off you usually sometimes got the occasional oh look over the lines when the flags up, but that's an instant kind yeah. of decision. Whereas this VAR, like two minutes later, deciding that goals disallowed or have a second muted celebration, that bit has been ruined. Um, and for that reason, I think I'd like VR scrapped. Because we're, we're asking, basically, what we as fans are asking and pundits and managers, it has to be the perfect game and you're not going to get that because there is human interaction. So we might as well just play FIFA because FIFA won't let you score an offside goal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although I've yeah. had issues with the foul detection, but anyway. <laughs> Yeah, it's very true. The other thing I quite like, VR, I just don't like sometimes the number of replays that get shown. Um, and sometimes I think if there's a dubious decision, I think you should give those VR guys two replays. And if they can't tell that it's a wrong decision, then it's just play on. Yeah, I just yeah. I, The whole, we got to see 30 different replays and at different speeds and at different angles. That's that's too much. That's, that's the forensic side. Yeah. I just, I don't think, you know, I think there's more forensics in that, and sometimes in in some crime resolutions. Yeah, yeah. but do you know what I mean it just shouldn't be that yeah. detailed? Actually, that's why I like the Hawkeye challenge because then you're letting the referee get on with it, and then you're deciding as a manager 
when to bring that in. Um, yeah. You just reminded me something you said. No, the, um, the I think the final Darren Bent suggestion was also that you know when when they tell the referee to go look at the pitch side monitor, like let's use a Romero's one. The first image he sees is of Romero's foot with his studs up on the shin, yeah. and then they reverse it. So it's like, don't start with the worst bit in slow-mo. Just put yeah. it to the beginning he, of the play. He should just have a chance to watch what's happened in a speed, but it should be yeah. from start to end, and it's not shouldn't be influenced by VAR. Yeah, so he probably, with that one, probably still would have come to the, the same decision. But yeah, I, I remember seeing it. The first thing he sees is studs up on the shin which then you're already implanting something in, in the mind. You're supposed to be letting the referee make his mind up. Okay, let's move on. Uh, we'll start wrapping up. There was a couple of just brief stories and then we'll finish. Well, I mean, I, I'm calling this breaking scores in the Champions League, but by the time this goes out, it's almost half a day after it's happened. So so it's not really breaking scores. But a couple of nice nice things that happened. This story doesn't sound nice at the start, but I remember putting it in the WhatsApp to you and Dave. So at the game between Nottingham Forest and um, Aston Villa, there was, because it, uh, it was Remembrance Sunday, wasn't it? The, they had a young boy, I think it was 16-year-old, who was playing the last post on the pitch beforehand. And I think he struggled and I think he couldn't finish it. And he's obviously disappointed. But what was good was both sets of players afterwards went up to him to kind of like, pat him on the back and basically not not to console him but to say well done and I think that was a really nice thing that they did then I believe he's been invited to go back to like to the city ground I think to to meet the players I think so it's just nice we again players coming for a lot but um that was that was a nice touch and Harry Kane got another hat trick in Germany I kind of wanted to bring that up I think that's his third one and he's got 15 goals already I mean it's just unbelievable really isn't it 15 in 10, isn't it now? Yeah. Uh, they're still so. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, though, how a lot of people are saying that, you know, it's it's um, a low standard league, so a trophy here wouldn't count. And you're like, oh, for goodness sake, the, the guy just can't win, <laughs> can he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as I mentioned before we go, so at time, um, I'll throw some scores at you and see what you think. In the Champions League, these are half times. You've got Atletico Madrid 2, Celtic 0, Lazio 1, final 0. So as it stands, Atletico Madrid a top and Lazio a second. Group F. Oh, yeah, this was this is a result. So Borussia Dortmund beat Newcastle 2 0. Uh, and AC Milan are one all with Paris Saint-Germain. So any thoughts on that? I think it's going to make Newcastle's job very hard to qualify now. I think um, to get through that group, well, I put them in third. I think third well, do, we moment, need, do, yeah. we need, do we need AC Milan to win that to kind of have three teams on around about the same number of points? Well, if, if AC Milan win, they'll go above them on one point by one point when Newcastle go to the bottom, but then it would be like four, five and um, six. Whereas at the moment, as it stands with a draw and Dortmund winning, PSG are on seven, Dortmund are on seven, Newcastle are on four. So it makes with life two a games harder. To, yeah, with two yeah. games to play, that's that's difficult. But it might, you know, it might do, if Newcastle dropped into the Europa League, which is what the third place in that group gets, isn't it? The Europa League. 
yeah. they could do well in that tournament. Yeah, I think they would do. Absolutely. Um, so in Group G, I'm not going to pronounce this, but that's uh, Sharena Zvedsta, Neil RB Leipzig 1, and Man City. Actually, they were 1 0 earlier when I was talking to you, but Man City 2, Young Boys 0 at half time. You could have just called that team Red Star Belgrade, which is what they're known yeah, as. Yeah, probably could have done. Yeah, <laughs> probably could have done. <laughs> But, but a good try. Yeah. <laughs> as it as it stands, I mean, Man City on twelve points, Leipzig on nine, and yeah. the other two are on one. So that's that's a foregone conclusion. Uh, Porto one up against Antwerp, but this is a result. Shakhtar the next one, Barcelona nil. I mean, that's yeah, a shock. Big, big big result, isn't it? Yeah, and that keeps the, the group lively. So Barcelona on nine, Porto on nine, and Donetsk on six. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's it for tonight. So anything else on, on the Champions League there? Um, no, I don't think so. I think because most of those games are at half, half time, it's hard to comment on them. But um, the Newcastle result was obviously disappointing for Newcastle fans. But I think in the long run, I, I do think probably better for them if they drop into the Europa League yeah. um, but obviously day of fixtures tomorrow because we've got Man United I'm assuming Man United are playing tomorrow yeah yeah uh, they are away to Copenhagen so yeah so that's, that's, a big, and, so that's a big tie for them isn't it yeah and you know what even more so um, Arsenal at home to Sevilla so oh, that's a good, good, that's good a game as well game. yeah yeah was there anything else before we wrap up was there anything else I've missed or you want to say uh, no, nothing for me. Um, as there's no quiz, I'm going to take it that I've won this week. So I'm going to add a well one work. into it. So that's how it well works. Well done, Dan. Well played. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, no, if you enjoy, if you've enjoyed listening to this, make sure you uh, share this out. Yeah, like and subscribe. Give us a rating where you can. Dan, any. I always say any final words from you. It sounds so so sinister. Anything final to say or anyone to shout out or anything before we go? No, no, not for me. Um, just hope to see, hear from you all next week. Yep. And yeah, catch catch us next week for another episode. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Just Football. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please share with your friends and family. We're available on all podcasting platforms and you can follow us on X at Just Football Pod. In the meantime, keep your head up and your eyes on the ball.